Hello and welcome to the podcast series Raw Talent with me Fiona Abrahams where I'm deep diving behind the scenes into the careers, aspirations and inspiration of the many talented and skilled individuals who enable the fashion and creative industries to feed our passion for clothing and product. Throughout this podcast series, I will be reaching out to the global community, looking at the industry through their eyes, asking people to share insights about the work they do, how they got started, their most compelling experiences, the trials and tribulations they have faced and overcome, who they have met along the way, the lasting friendships formed, the part culture plays in the work they do, and their thoughts on the future of the industry following this pandemic. Welcome to the first guest episode of our podcast series. Today, I'm speaking with Melda Gavench, a London-based transatlantic PR expert, who will be enlightening us on all things PR with extracts from her LA and London-based experiences. Let's start by sharing how we met. Sure. I feel like we can never figure it out. Like we've talked about it so much. I think it must have been when I was talking to like every recruiter in town trying to get a job when I first moved here and we got along and, you know, I've met with like 40 of them and you're the only one that we kept in touch. And I was like, I like you, you're honest, you're straightforward. And yeah, I think we just kept playing around with different brands and seeing what could happen and it just stuck. (laughs) Yeah, I think it was the cashmere brand. I'm sure it was to do with that. Maybe you had contacted me before that came along, but I remember that came along roughly around the same time, I think. And then things didn't really evolve with the cashmere brand in the way that we wanted. You put together like, because we were like, how are we going to do this? And you'd put together like a menu of the different services that you bring, that you offer, um, all linked to PR. And you went and presented it all. And then you had a series of very bizarre interviews. (laughs) We were not expecting. (laughs) No, that was a really interesting one because my background is Turkish. Like both my parents are from Turkey and the designers were also from Turkey and I think that they thought that we were just buddies because we shared a culture and that I should hook them up with like a buddy rate and I but didn't really ever express that to me directly at all like they would sit there and tell me like yeah everything sounds great let's start I'd be like perfect I'm sending everything to Fiona and then you would call me being like did you agree to like a third of this rate? And I was like, mm-hmm. absolutely not. Like, no, they were definitely that. trying to play both sides, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it didn't end very well for, for the whole situation. I, I think mean. I ended up um, having um, a very kind of unexpected conversation with the husband who um, up until that point, they'd been quite professional and it kind of boiled down to the fact they didn't want to pay and it's like but this is someone's livelihood and these are really good rates (laughs) exactly didn't want to pay so yeah but like you were saying it ended up being such a good one because we built that whole strategy around the strategy 
I did not have before. And like, yes. Yeah. I know we were talking about it before too. Just one of the things that I needed to completely refigure and it's changed. It was brilliant actually, because we put together that whole kind of mix and a, a, a sort of a mix and match list of different things and services that you can offer and how they interact we explained it and it then kind of formed the basis for the menswear brand yeah actually it was a great kind of um learning curve because it meant that we could uh flesh out what the rates needed to be we could work out what the rates for different services would be and what the different services would look like because let's tell everyone what you cover because you cover a fairly broad range when it comes to PR? Sure. So I cover influencer, celebrity seating, editorial press, and then I do it for the US, the UK, and a bit throughout Europe. So it just depends. I mean, obviously, I'm from the States. So I have I moved to the UK with all of my like US Rolodex kind of ready to go. And then now I've been here for over four years. So I built out that side of things as well. And then just working with a bunch of European brands over the years, I've been able to like expand that reach because really if you're someone that Grazia loves, chances are you're going to be someone that Grazia Italia loves also, you know what I mean? So yes, exactly. So you're able to um, sort of organically expand yeah from your initial base in LA and obviously you've got amazing contacts in LA from kind of A-list celebrities um across really music and um movies and fashion it's quite broad thanks (laughs) I mean it's been good I think it's just having the the right brands to work with like put in the door with all those people absolutely absolutely and let's let's tell everybody um, where did you grow up and what inspired you to work in the fashion and creative industries. So I grew up in Orange County. Um, I went to UCSB in Santa Barbara for university and studied political science, thinking I was going to go into <laughs> law. So, You're not the like, you know. That's so common. There's so many yeah. people that study politics and end up in the fashion industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I argue that it is really good education for it because it's all political. Like, yes. m- working with different businesses, there's so many cogs and tools and stuff. It, it kind of does yeah. translate. It does. But um, yeah, I mean, I always had like a creative side and stuff, and I always wanted to explore it more. And I remember finding People's Revolution when I was doing like a deep dive of just summer internships to have in LA because I wanted to spend the summer in LA. And I found this company that had the record for the most fashion shows produced during New York Fashion Week. And I thought that was really cool. So I applied for an in- internship, went to interview. I was 19. I like went to some Lord and Taylor type store and bought myself like a white button down shirt and like a midi <laughs> and a pair of Spanx. It was so nervous, like so <laughs> over the top put together. I walked in, I was wearing like tattered jeans and t-shirts and like looked at me like I was the weirdest person ever. But like, <laughs> like two minutes because it's an internship in a showroom, you know, they're like, yes. oh, you're available and you can read and write. Cool. <laughs> like you're hired. <laughs> That's really yeah. funny. It's so yeah. hard when you're starting out to know what to wear. 
I know. I, I was so... <laughs> I like, and I remember I had my roommates drive down with me because I was so nervous and we thought we'd like make a day of it and go to LA. And I just, I have a very distinct memory of me wearing this incredibly uncomfortable outfit and like waiting on the side of like the dingier uh, end of Melrose, like Aww. in front of the showroom in this like ridiculous outfit. Just being oh, like, no. I got the job, but I mean, it worked. So wow, <laughs> they were probably impressed that you made the effort. I mean, honestly, I think they were just looking for bodies to fill the show. (laughs) (laughs) They just didn't care. It's like, oh, you'll do. You're here. You look kind of strange, but we'll take you. You can put yourself together. That should count for something. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. And what was the driving force at the start of your career? Kind of why, how did you fall into PR? So I did that internship over the summer and I really loved it, like, the company was doing, this is back when Mercedes-Benz still did LA Fashion Week. So yeah. it was during Fashion Week, we were putting on a show and I was like chosen to be the director's assistant for the day, which basically just means you have to carry all of her stuff for her and like yes. wear the headset and relay all the messages because she doesn't want to wear it herself, <laughs> which was Fair super enough. fun. But, it was so uh, fun. It, honestly, it was, it was amazing. Like that yeah. whole experience is what turned me on to the to the industry because I thought it was just like to see the scale of production of something like yes. that and see that there's like here's this woman who's put it all together and is running it and everything. It's like a movie. Like, it's really like making a movie, isn't it? It is because it's super orchestrated. And yeah. so that that really made me more interested in like taking this more seriously and not just being like a summer internship. Um and then, yeah, I had this was to- how you got started. And then how did that lead to your first job? So when I graduated, I was applying everywhere in LA for jobs. And one of my friends from my internship actually was working as a sales girl at this like really trendy boutique. And she had a private client that she was uh, going to go take some clothes over to. And I had gone to visit her for like lunch. And she was like, why don't you come with me? This girl is just starting a PR agency for fine jewelry. And I was like, sure. I had all my resumes in my car anyway. I was like, that's all I was doing. So I went, met, was like immediately enamored by this girl because I thought she was so fabulous. And like, how are you 26 and have access to like fine jewelers that want you to do PR, you know? And so I just, I took it, the job immediately and it ended up, yeah, that's how I started. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. And then how did the how did the business evolve? So she was like brand new. It was brand new. There was one brand uh, that ended up being from like a family friend connection that she had. And yeah. we were working at her house. I was building out. It ended up being the best experience for me professionally because I spent the first like three months. I remember I would just vet jewelry brands like all day long. All I would do was like learn to find all the cool boutiques online, go through, see all these independent brands, see if they have PR, like then reach out to them, then schedule a meeting. It just like, it taught me how to set up a business. So that was really amazing. Fantastic. And at the end of the day, it's fine jewelry. So the fact that I knew some of the stylists from my intern days, I could reach out to and who doesn't want a bunch of like really fun diamond jewelry for this. Absolutely. Nice. That sounds really great. And as your career's unfolded, would you say that you've actively guided the trajectory 
or have you more reacted to opportunities in the market? I think it's probably been a combination of both. Like yeah. um, I've definitely guided it in the sense of deciding to move here and try something new. Like, I've Yeah, how did you come to get, because it's so hard to get a visa if you're American, how did you come to do that? It is very hard. It I is. did not know this at all. I was so naive. <laughs> I had a girlfriend that was living out here and she had just broken up with her partner. She was like, I don't want to live here by myself. Like, just move in with me. You can figure it out once you get here. And my job at the time, I was at another agency in LA and I just kind of felt like I had plateaued. So I was like, oh, I'll just move and I'll get a job. No problem. I have work experience. And I very quickly realized after meeting with a couple other recruiters that no one's really interested in trying to get you sponsored. So I got, no. (laughs) You have (laughs) to figure that piece out yourself. Yeah. Like, and I had a friend, I honestly, I, for the life of me, I've never been able to remember who told me about this, but there's the entrepreneur's visa for Turkish citizens that is significantly less expensive to get than to apply for one as an American. And someone told me about that. And I remember I like told my mom and she was like, that's not a thing. And I was like, I think it's a thing. So I kept looking into it. (laughs) It is a thing. It it was a thing. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I had a friend at the time also in London who had a uh, fashion PR agency here as well. And she had a client who really wanted celebrity placement. So in the middle of all she was like, why don't you just try, send out some stuff, see what happens and end up doing really well. So then I was like, okay, well now I have this momentum. I can apply for this entrepreneur's visa and like set up my own business instead of trying to like fit into roles that I wasn't quite perfect for in the UK market at the time. Yeah, because you needed to come in and build your experience. So, and it's always, whenever you move countries, you kind of find yourself starting over unless you move within a company. It's not always easy. So, yeah, (laughs) and lots of people discover that. Um, What was your, before you came here, what was your kind of main, what was your main role in LA when you were working for the previous company? So my last agency, I was like the head PR. So I had an assistant that I, uh, that helped me run about 14 brands, I want to say. And then we had interns in the agency. Can you tell us who any of them were? Um, I worked with Zadig and Voltaire. I worked with Gerard Durrell. I worked with all of Revolve's in-house clothing brands as they were first launching, which was really amazing. Um, I worked with a denim line called Subi that I fell in love with when I was interning as a teenager and happened to pick up their cold call looking for PR like six years down the line. And I was like, we have to take them. I love them. They're so (laughs) amazing. Yeah. I've I've had a really nice range of brands. Yeah. And what was, what would be your most kind of memorable uh, moments from that experience, from that role? I think just watching Revolve blow up and grow yes. into what it beca- became was yeah. really amazing. And just having like even the slightest hand in that, like, so I was doing all of the celebrity side, obviously their units, like what they had to work with was immense. So it was fantastic oh, for, for someone like me that's doing celebrity placement because I was sending out like 25 packages. But I remember one that I was like made my day was, 
Beyonce would like, you know how she posts those pictures that are like very clearly, very professionally taken yes. like on vacation or like coming off a yacht. And it was yes. um, with one of their like logo giant print tees and it was everywhere. And I was like, Oh, my life is made. This is Fantastic. Oh, so nice. That's so nice. And if we kind of, um, if we look back, what have been like the major learnings from your experience so far? Um, I mean, there's a lot. I think I'm my, my biggest one is definitely knowing my own worth is a yes. I think it took me way too long to really get my self confidence to demand what I thought that I deserved and not take. Like not just not off. work with people that are yeah, just not work with people that aren't the right people for me. Absolutely. And that kind of um that kind of came into play when you were first here and you were pitching, didn't it? Yeah, I mean it's it's come into play in every step of my business, but definitely yeah. when I was here, just not knowing how to present myself and pitch myself to potential brands was a big inhibitor. And I would just go in and be so, I think, again, it ties into not having that confidence, right? So like I felt this need to overcompensate by like just throwing out every name and just giving way too much information in initial meetings. And I I think I was telling you the other week that like I still go on social media and I'll see some of those brands that I talked to four years ago using all of the name, like all of the things and stuff that I had said to them yeah fine I mean that's life you learn but that yeah (laughs) harsh lesson yeah we had lots of conversations didn't we about how to pitch and the best way to um present without giving away your intellectual property because it's really important and it's so sad that we live in a world where people will seek to um take your knowledge and try and use it themselves they can never do what you do they can never replicate what you do because there's skill attached and there's there's knowledge and know-how that comes with what you do it's not that straightforward but they can take people do take elements where they can and it's just it's not nice it's like yeah it's wrong but yes, I think we've managed to circumvent that quite well. You certainly I, have. I mean, honestly, having you in my corner is like 90% of me not doing that anymore. <laughs> like yeah. I don't have to have a strategy around it and yeah. the best way to um, present what you can do and what you can offer without giving anything away that people yeah. can go away and use. And that seems to have worked really successfully. And how many brands are you working with now? Uh, right now I have four. So I have my menswear, I have a lingerie line, a sustainable children's wear line, and a men's trainer line. How exciting. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's really nice. amazing. And what have been the highlights of those? I mean, with everyone, it's so different. I think with I each, like, each one, I mean, the menswear the celebrity side has been so amazing. And for me, like that brand as a whole was just such a home run because when you showed it to me, I just, it was one of those where I was like, I know exactly the people that are going to love this. I know exactly the stylists. I know exactly the celebrities. Like, let me get my hands on it type thing. Yes, absolutely. 
in the year that we've like that I've worked with the brand, I think I mean we've had everyone from like Childish Gambino to Matthew McConaughey to like Ethan Hawke to uh, so many others. It's so been absolutely incredible. That's been really really cool to yeah. see. And with my lingerie, uh, she was two years in when we started, and I actually saw an interview. Uh, I was reading an interview that she did the other week where she was saying that her goal at the time was to get wholesale and accounts like Urban Outfitters, like that was wow. her goal. Oh my and goodness! This year she launched it with Net-a-Porter. Yeah, so <laughs> completely different level of the market. And <laughs> going to show like how big and how, yeah. how rapidly it was able to grow was really, really yeah. amazing. Because what she does is so unique. Can we tell people who the brand is? Sure. Yeah, it's Stora Larson, and it's beautiful lingerie. It's beautiful, <laughs> beautiful. It is stunning, stunning lingerie. Great. Like it's really everything is super comfortable. It's all about combining colors, so it's all very. It's very much made for women by a woman, you know, like everything fits yes. really well. All of, yeah, all the shapes and cup sizes, I think it goes to like F cup now. That's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been really, wow. really Wow, that's so good. Yeah, because the sizing of lingerie is so key, just to yeah. have the sort of the breadth and depth so that you've got, you know, you can accommodate everybody from the very petite people to the curvy people. It's so great to be able to do that. And then they're so good. to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. They're so good with that internally with showing the, that the brand works for everyone. everyone. Like I've seen them shoot with anyone from like women that are older than my mom to like really yeah. plus size to every shade and every for anyone and everyone exactly and like my my mom even said the other week she was like she was like I really like that laundry it's really cool how they do that and I was like (laughs) (laughs) that's fantastic (laughs) and the colors that she uses and the combination of materials is so beautiful yeah and the price point's great too yeah it's a great price point so no definitely absolutely and um who else are you? You're doing your, you've got the men's trainer brand. Men's trainers, which launched in December. So that's been yeah. quite interesting with COVID because. Yes. How's been, that impacted? I, I mean, it's really just a matter of being really, really precious with the stock that we have and trying to mm. utilize it as best way possible. Like, whereas, you know, with another brand that might have a lot more units, I can reach out to like 20 people and send out a couple gifts and whatever and with this it's like it needs to be guaranteed like I need you to do xyz for me if if we're gonna send you anything but yeah and how have you managed have you gained any traction for them since since December how's that been us being in this situation I mean, it's, it's, it's still been good. I've gotten them like oh. an Esquire feature, a GQ feature last week. Um, they were in the sun for like best men's trainers a couple weeks oh, ago. Oh, fantastic. What's the name yeah. of the brand? Laver. Laver. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So, so it's, good they've, it's good that they've been able to still kind of continue in spite of like such unusual circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I think like they they must have been well enough set up internally, like which is something yeah. that I've been 
when I can't avoid it, I'd rather like not know everything <laughs> with that side of things. But um, yeah, I mean, so far it's okay. So it's fantastic. Good. That's great. What would you say are the main things that make you grace at what you do? I would definitely say persistence <laughs> is the number one. Like I've been accidentally CC'd on emails between editors where they're like, this girl won't leave me alone. Can you just do this? <laughs> and I'm like, hey, thanks. Like, I just don't care. It's just, this is my job and I will hound everyone as respectfully, but as diligently as I need to. Um, I think that's, that's really like the biggest thing I would say. And being creative, like trying to always remap your strategy and remap what I'm doing. Like, I think just continuously. Um, yes. Cause we do, this is an industry that's continually reinventing and you're constantly having to adapt. Yeah, exactly. And even just beyond the industry, like from brand to brand, you know, you could be like, oh, I'm going to focus more on editorial and you get some great online press, whatever. And then your client's like, oh, well, I really wish that we were getting more celebrities. So it's like, okay, great. Let's transition. It's just always knowing how, how and when to re-strategize. And, yeah. And to be super flexible. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Cause there's no kind of one size fits all formula. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That makes, yeah, I get that. And I think that's a really good, um, insight for people actually. Thanks. And in a professional context, what are the top three things that you are really good at? Um, I've always been quite good (laughs) at writing. So that's definitely been beneficial. I think, um, you know, even with poli sci, it's like we wrote term papers. So, um, utilizing my network definitely just yeah not having any shame and being a good writer (laughs) (laughs) fantastic and actually that is that's a lot of it is persistent and putting yourself out there and just constantly being like oh I think I know someone who might know someone who might be this person I'm just gonna hit them up like it doesn't matter yeah. You know, at the end of the day, everyone's trying to make things happen. So yeah, absolutely. Against you to ask around, you know. <laughs> absolutely, you've just got to be. You've just got to be chatting and doing stuff, and yeah, being out there for sure. And how do you manage up? How do you? How do you find by managing up? I mean, how do you kind of manage the expectations of the people that you're reporting into? I definitely think the biggest thing with that is just being really honest and being really straightforward. Um, one thing I learned Very good from advice. my old boss in LA was like, I, she was, she was amazing and, and really mentored me like in the three years that I was there. So she would bring me in on like potential client meetings. And I remember her always saying to them, I'm never going to guarantee you X amount of press. If you meet anyone that does guarantee you X amount of press, they're either lying to you or they're doing it through like favors and it's not going to last. So I think just giving people yes, you should give trajectory of what you think you can do and everything like that. But I think being very, very realistic with it and, you know, it's always better to pleasantly surprise than to disappoint. Um, Definitely. I would say that's the biggest thing. 
it's good advice really good yeah. advice because I think actually that ties in with how I work as well I'm always just yeah. completely straight down the line with everybody and it's it's so important to just give honest feedback and honest opinions as to what you think is achievable and then right. if you can pleasantly surprise fantastic exactly and you know like yeah. um, the whole job is is being the representation of the who the brand is so if there isn't like trust and honesty between the two it's just not ever going to translate as well as it should no absolutely we've now been joined by the cat he's now back <laughs> on the table <laughs> the pleasures and joys of working from home oh my god so, i had to tell my my boyfriend i was like don't come in here looking for stuff like last time I had a Zoom. Oh, yes. Came in, didn't he? What was he doing? God knows. I don't know. <laughs> like me leaving my hand, being like, leave, leave. Completely told you. That's really funny. Oh, really looking forward to being able to work from a coffee shop again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Bring it on. I don't know when that's going to happen. Maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> at this point, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of all this, we'll, we'll it'll be so nice to see everybody. We'll be able to have lunch. We'll be able to go out for dinner. It's going to be fantastic. Hopefully, yeah. <laughs> and how would you describe your management style when you because you manage interns, you've managed assistants? How would you describe your management style? What makes you an effective manager? I think what makes me an effective manager is experience like mm-hmm. the fact that I was able to do it under the umbrella of a bigger agency for a couple of years really allowed me to learn how to best utilize people's assets and like learn how to trust people that you have working with you how um, did you do that what would what are the insights you'd share around that I think first being confident in who it is that you've picked to work with you like feeling yeah, feeling sure of who you've brought on. That's and not always easy, is it? I always find hiring staff is the hardest thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't I, I don't have staff. I have one <laughs> very, very lovely employee. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think just being able to see what what people's strong suits are and kind of yeah. playing off of that. And also just having a mutual respect, like making sure that you're not taking out your stress and your anxiety on someone that's getting paid to assist you is yeah. a huge thing. And huge when I was, thing. when, when I was in my agency in LA, you know, like it was incredible and I was able to move up in the business really quickly, but I did kind of get to a place where I was taking on way more than I think I was emotionally mature enough to be regulating. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had two assistants at the time and I was just so stressed out and I know that I just took it out on them so much to the point where like I sit like six months in, I like took them both to lunch was like, I'm so stressed and I'm so, (laughs) Oh no, not your fault. I know (laughs) you guys are great. (laughs) Oh, did they have some like helpful insights to support you? Yeah. Yeah. And they're very, very sweet and, like in touch with and everything but I think just being able to do that at 
someone else's company made it so that when I set up my own and was ready to like take on people, I was like, knew what to do and not do. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And it's so much a learning curve, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Yeah. (laughs) And what would you say your observations are on the most effective way to be influential? It comes back to persistence. Honestly, I think it does come back to At the end of the day, it's just about visibility in the right markets, right? So you just need to keep trying as long as the product is good. Like what, as long as what you, you believe in your client and you can say with conviction that you really think that they belong in Harper's Bazaar, you really think that they belong in Vogue because people can, you know, these editors get however many hundreds of emails every day. They can tell when you don't really think that they belong. You're this oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like what I do. It's like they, people can tell if you really believe in someone or you don't. Exactly. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of making sure that you're working with people that you really believe in. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what was your best experience in your career so far? This is a hard one. Can you choose one thing? I think, I mean, this is kind of a, maybe a weird one to say it like this, but just this year filing my taxes for the first time and being like, oh, I've set up a business that I can actually like grow and live off of and do well, like that's doing well. And that was a really just big high point for me, you know, because I moved here jobless with one that lived in London (laughs) Ah. to get it to a place where I feel like you know I have uh, an employee and I have like brands that have stayed with me for years now I think really is a point of pride oh that's fantastic and what would be your worst experience oh gosh I mean funniest there's a lot I think (laughs) find us a funny one I mean, I think a funnier one is probably like chasing uh, Katy Perry's assistant around trying to find her at the Grove, which is like an outdoor shopping mall in LA because she had worn this uh, diamond encrusted ring from one of my brands at the time to like the Teen Choice Awards or something like that. And we had to get the ring back and the assistant was like, oh, Katie's visiting a friend. So like I'm killing time out here. So I was like, okay, great. I'm going to go find her. Go. And this girl is literally wearing this like $150,000 ring casually oh, on no. while she's shopping. And I'm like 19 or like 18 or whatever it was and just like freaking out. But that was pretty <laughs> she was just so blasé like oh no problem here you go it's like okay I'm gonna put this in a bag and put it in another bag and then put it in my purse and like cross body it around me and take myself back to the office (laughs) (laughs) wow hilarious and what would you say the personality traits are that are most important to your work I think it it ties back to the same kind of pillars just uh, honesty um I think persistence and knowing the type of people that you want to work with, being able to yeah. figure out and assess the type of people that you want to work with, I think. Is yeah. So having some conviction behind what resonates for you and following up on it. Yeah. And like beyond the, you know, the, 
what the actual product is is half of it, and then who the team is that you're going to be working yeah. with is the other half of it. Absolutely. So maybe both of those are aligned. Yes, for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And who would have been your most inspiring manager that you've worked for? Definitely Barry Goldfarb, my old manager. I know oh. I was my most inspiring. I mean, she really like let me. I came in so hungry for the job, and I just yes. had been doing that jewelry for a couple of years, and it just wasn't the right fit for me. And she really saw that I wanted to do everything and look after every brand, and I would like get jealous if someone else got a new account. Like I just wanted to do everything, and she was like, "Great, you want to actually do it? You can." And showed me and taught me everything so incredible and how long were you there for uh three years fantastic and you kind of started as an intern or as I started as a PR assistant and then when I left I was the senior publicist that's amazing so that was a fast track that was very fast tracked. There was a girl that was working in that uh, at the agency actually, who was a lot older than me. I think she was like eight years older than me, and she was meant to be overseeing us. And she was just not a team player. I can put it that way. Oh, that like, happens a lot. You know, like we were. I was a junior PR, so I would have to have like all my writing proofread and stuff. And she would just like purposely not proof it so that my stuff was late. And then like. It was just really blatant things like that. Um, but I ended up, yeah, I well, what I ended up doing was applying and getting another job somewhere else and then leveraging it to get her job. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you ended up having a conversation with the owner about, hey, I'm going to leave. I, yeah, I walked in. I was like, I, I was just, I felt like I was getting bullied by this girl and I just wasn't yeah. having I had another, you know, my job before that, I felt like I was getting bullied every day for two years. And then this woman starts working at my dream job and starts dumping on it. And I'm just like, I was so I found another agency and it was like, it wasn't even fashion. It was like a health and well-being PR. Um, And I was like, whatever, like, as we all know, intro fashion jobs don't exactly pay a lot. So I was like, this is fine. I can do this instead. (laughs) (laughs) What did you say to your boss? I went in and I was just like, I don't feel valued. I don't feel appreciated. I feel like this girl is standing in my way and I hate it. And I'm, I want more money. And she was like, no. And I was like, well, I got another offer for this much money. So I have to take it. Like I, I'm not doing this for fun. And she, I remember she got really upset because obviously, like I said, she'd really been my mentor and everything like that. Yeah. She kind of like left into this glass office and I sat on the other side of it so I can see her just like fuming and texting like a crazy oh, no. person. Oh. And then called me in like an hour later while I'm just sitting there like sweating bullets. And she's like, <laughs> okay, I'll raise you to what you were offered at the other company. And thank goodness I had like the gone stuff. And I was just like, you know what? It's not just about the money. I was like, I'm not going to get treated like this anymore. Like you need to tell her I look after more. I, cause at the time I was looking after more accounts. I was like, I'm responsible for more money in this business. I don't understand why just because someone's older than me that they think that they're allowed to not treat me as respectfully as an equal. Yeah. 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 And so I ended up, um, 
getting the same title as her. And very shortly after that, she left. <laughs> so I yeah. took her job. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> she was probably ready to move on. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it was the right fit. Like, no. They're very long. So. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And so many industries are being impacted by the coronavirus. In a perfect world, how will the fashion landscape look on the other side, do you think? I mean, I think in a perfect world, we are a bit more, not a bit more, we're just overlyingly more eco-friendly. I think people are starting to really look at where their clothes come from, sustainability. It's sustainability, all of that stuff. Behind the brand. And all of that, like, I think was already really on the up and up, like the sustainability everything like that. But I think I was telling you, I found it really interesting to start listening to, like, couture designers and, and more luxury designers say things like, you know what, we don't need to fly in fit models from Paris to do a fitting in New York and then fly them back just to fly them back two weeks later and do it all over again. Like, oh, fabrics, you know, and, and all that kind of stuff, I think that's going to be, first of all, it's incredibly expensive. So it should be the first thing that gets cut when they're going to have, when everyone has to pare down anyway. And at the same time, I think it'll just make people be more keen to source locally for everything that they can. much operate much more, a much leaner, more efficient model because there's so much that you can do locally. It's kind of reinvigorating all our local markets and neighborhoods really yeah that's what I'm, oh, cool. I'm hoping comes up yeah in. yeah me too because I feel like the whole kind of lo- emphasis of the word local is going to apply to us both in terms of our personal lives and our professional lives right um, the, the emphasis on both of those is going to be on community is going to be so much stronger so hopefully that's what will come out the other side of it there's yeah. a lot of um, there's a lot of need within the industry for it to streamline and not be overproducing and actually be working more smartly in terms of the seasons. Um, you know, we don't need winter clothes in the shops in August, for instance. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting to yes, see. Yes, isn't it? Coming autumn, winter, because it's so much of it is going to be delayed because it's forced to be delayed. But that's I wonder. Right. If- that kind of be a finally, natural reset exactly because that that whole market I mean it, it the sales schedule to me has not made sense for ever <laughs> everybody's always saying so it's like the perfect moment to rewrite that and yeah. just do things completely differently and I yeah. guess that there'll also be a much there'll be like a, an even steeper surge in direct consumer trading as well yeah absolutely that will happen so I think wholesale is going to be pretty dead yeah I mean I've seen that a lot with um like my laundry brand for example has a ton of wholesalers and it's difficult to see them all the major retailers have immediately been like nope just kidding we don't want anything we're not taking anything we're not paying for anything like we're all on pause you know so I think it's going to shift the consumer like you said to direct uh directly to the brand yeah Yeah. directly to the brand absolutely I think there'll still be online for sure there'll still be third party and 
Um, yeah, of course. It, it will always work like that. But I think in certain markets, it will be, it will, it will go. Lingerie is a bit different, I always think, because lingerie, you do need, because it's small items, you need kind of lots of outlets in different places. I mean, hopefully not. <laughs> it's, yeah, I mean, that was definitely Dora Larson's business plan, like over the last couple of years, it would, we got or she got into a want to say like a hundred stockists across 21 countries in a couple of wow. years so she would that, need quite a lot of I mean she'll probably still need quite a few of those so yeah hopefully but, they'll not all disappear yeah I mean that's the that's the whole thing yeah but at the same yeah. time it's, it, I feel like she's in a really good position where we've been able to really solidified the brand name and image over the last couple of years. So now fine, maybe you won't see it at Nordstrom, but you'll like know it. And when you see it in Vogue, you'll be like, Oh, I know them from wherever. Yeah. Which will be amazing. Yeah. uh, It's going to be very interesting to see how it's all going to work on the other side. Very. (laughs) And if you can share uh, one or two insights that will inspire others in their careers, what would those be? Just to work, like, I, th- I think it all, I get very, like, mindful with this kind of stuff, right? It's, like, just yes. make sure that you're being kind to yourself. Like, don't let anyone run you into the ground, especially when you're just starting out. Like, you may not be working in the perfect place. That doesn't mean that you don't have a place in this industry. It just means you haven't found it yet. You know, that's... um yeah, I think just continuously be looking to grow and see how you can grow, whether it's within whatever job you have or what your next step would be. I think just continuously be looking forward and seeing how you can improve yourself and yeah, build up your career. (laughs) Yeah, it's good advice. Really good advice. Absolutely. And I think having staying power as well, be prepared to like go in and commit to something and build your experience. Don't be looking to run out the door after five minutes. Oh yeah, definitely not. I mean, that whole, it's hard for me to even like remember to say things like that. Cause I think that's just like not in my generations. Like, like, yeah, you come from a generation where you'd expect to go in and have a couple of years somewhere at the beginning. You yeah. Like I thinking about like, being at, running away, looking for the next thing after like in, in six months time. Yeah. Whereas today's generation, I see a lot of that and I have lots of these conversations with people who are like, I want to find my next job, I'm bored. And it's like, no, you need to stay and you need to build your experience. So why are you looking to move on after eight months or three months or six months? Just stay. (laughs) Yeah, I think as long as it's somewhere that's treating you well. Yeah, as long as they're nice and it's treating you well, better Uh, the experience in. Yeah, definitely. And then... um, my last question is, who is your dream brand to work for? If you could work for absolutely anyone, who would be your dream brand? Or work with anyone, because it might be as freelancer. I think two brands. Yeah, two brands. Two? So oh. one is Chanel, because it's just the most iconic brand. So to be able yeah. to be a part of the PR of the most iconic fashion house, I think would just be beyond incredible. Definitely. Um, And the second I was thinking about this is 
going to be a brand that hasn't been created yet because I love working with like new brands when everyone's just really hungry and motivated and they're doing something unique and it's different and you can delve in from the beginning and really help build out that brand story as opposed to like coming in with, with brands that are like, well, I've already worked with this PR and I hate PR now. And I've worked with this and I hate this now. And what, you know what I mean? Like just being with a fresh slate, I think is, is a dream client. (laughs) Definitely. No, I think that's, uh, that's a really, they're, they're amazing choices. And my, my final, final question is, in your dream brand, name three people who you would want in your team and why. Let's go with Anna Wintour. Oh, that's a good choice. Why not? Why not? <laughs> someone more well exactly. <laughs> um, mm. And then I would go with uh, someone that's like the best friend or the roommate of like an up-and-coming A-list celebrity. Like, let's say if Selena Gomez has a roommate. Like I would want to hire her just to yeah. get my there with that group of people because I know there's an agency in LA that did that a couple of years ago with one of the Hadids. And I it it was just like out of nowhere. They had like back to back every A-list, like young Hollywood girl. And I was like, what are they doing? And someone was like, Oh, they hired so-and-so's uh best friend. And I was like, Oh, that's genius. So I've always thought of that as a good one. Really and clever. Then, yeah. And then I would say maybe like Robin uh, Givgen at Wall Street Journal Fashion because I love the way she writes. Oh, really, really inspired. That would be an amazing team. I think so. <laughs> Let's get on it. <laughs> Let's get on it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights and pearls of wisdom today. My pleasure. Thank you. It has been fascinating to hear Melda's journey from Santa Barbara to London and her transition from employee to consultant, driven by humorous persistence and a never give up attitude. Persistence really is key. If you enjoyed this episode and you think there is someone you'd love to listen, feel free to share. Hit the subscribe button to receive notifications on our upcoming episodes, where you'll get to hear first-hand insights from across the global fashion and creative industries.